So today, as part of our podcast show, which is powered by Upside Global, we had the honor to interview again Dr. Ron Dick, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duke University in the School of Business. So Ron, as some of you may know, worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in the NCAA. So Ron, nice to see you again on the show. Julian, great to be back with you today. Great. So Ron, so what I want to talk about you today, and as I'll talk about, uh, was first the Power Five and sports betting. And then I've got some the latest stats on Neil. Everybody's talking about Neil these days. Uh-huh. And then uh, you know we'll talk about the shocking loss of Alabama. Right. Uh, and then we'll go over the Djokovic visa saga in Australia. Okay. And then we'll never we'll talk about the 49ers and the Steelers' uh, amazing comeback. Okay. And then in the NBA we'll talk about Clay Thompson's return, you know, with the Warriors. And then we'll talk about the MLB lockout. And then the, the FIFA plan to host a walk-up every two years. How does it sound? Sounds perfect. Let's get it going. Right. So, you know, first in the NCAA, right? So when it comes to uh, the Power Five, so betting on Power Five sports has become an industry worth $11 billion annually, according to the U.S. integrity data. So, and th- this year's college football playoff drew about $500 million worth of bets alone. So what is your take on the power of five in sports betting? I think that it is an area that's going to continue to grow. Um, I can't believe some of my friends that are betting on sports. Uh, there's, there's two things that have, have – you could go back 10 years ago that were considered in the dark corners and uh, unacceptable and – Really, sometimes I've been told by coaches, uh, don't even talk about betting lines. Like, right. don't even don't even bring that into my office, like okay. even casually. And now uh, I would say secondary market, a ticketing is almost encouraged by the four major sports. You're considered, if you're a season ticket holder, almost like a uh, a worker there. Like you're an extension of us that if there's certain games you can't make, Mm-hmm. And you bought all 41 uh, home games here for the uh, NBA team or the NHL team. Uh, please, you know, please sell them. And if you make a couple bucks, you know, that's okay. And if you're just trying to get rid of them, that's fine too. And you're breaking even. Uh, Ten years ago, that was unacceptable. That was considered who are these people that are outside our building scalping tickets. And now it's like you're part of the organization. Uh, and when they encourage it, I would say the same thing is true of betting. I have some very conservative friends that uh, I never dreamt would would be betting on sports. And they bet openly. They bet uh, during the games uh, with the technology as the line moves from one to the other. And I think it, lot, it has a lot to do with uh, the mainstream of ESPN, uh, you know, showing showing betting lines underneath the clicker the ticker mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's gone mainstream. So I don't see it going in any other direction than up, not just for college football, but for the four major sports. And I, I think that we need to be a little cautious about gamblers anonymous here. Uh, I think that it can ruin people's lives if they get too wrapped up into thinking they know something that they really don't know. A lot of your listeners played, sports in high school or maybe even college and think back if you're playing some team that you have a better record than and you're playing at their place and uh, 
you say you think you're going to win the game today? Yeah, we're going to win the game. Our our team is uh, you know, 14 and 3 and the other team is uh 6 and 8 and uh we're going to win. You're going to win by more than five and a half? I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's like you 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 think you know something you don't know and it's uh it's a little concerning, but I don't see it going anywhere but up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, I, and I think all the leagues are hoping to keep banking on it because it's so much money to be to be made. And it's and Julian, it's it's seen as 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 new money. You know, it's 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 seen as a new profit center. Mm-hmm. And it, without question, it's affecting the value of these uh, four major sports franchises. Yeah, the value is going up because of the ability to get revenue from betting. That's you know, right. You have your traditional television and some of that's national tv deals some of it's local it's tickets it's parking it's concessions it's uh, naming rights of buildings it's in arena advertising sponsorships and now it's like gambling by gambling the gambling money yeah and nfts as well because all those 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 and then nft on top of that is another profit center Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that they are looking, especially with COVID in 2020, right? Which was they, it was tough for those teams and those leagues. So they're really yes. hoping to make a big comeback right now. Absolutely, uh, we can't blame them for that, right? No, absolutely. So, they're in the they're in the the business to to turn a profit and provide a service and a distraction for all of us in our everyday life is uh, I I find to be sports. Yep. Yeah. Uh, second topic uh, I want to talk. But you today is the the shocking loss of Alabama, yeah. Uh, and I I did see the I saw the press conference by the head coach of Alabama mm-hmm. where he literally, um, you know, he praised two of his players for saying, "Look, you guys help us to win so many games this year. I just want to recognize you guys." And I think it was a nice gesture to do that. So, I I, th- I think uh, there's a term we use called reading the room. Yeah. And we all talk about people's IQ, but there's mm-hmm. another one called uh, EI, emotional intelligence. Yeah. And those people that are in sales and marketing, like we supposed to have high EIs. Like you have to read that the, these these players were devastated. They they mm-hmm. were down in the mouth. They were sullen. Uh, he picked them up. But what do you think happened? Why do you think they lost? Well, he yeah. talked about the totality of the whole season and not just the, this one particular game. But the one thing I would say, I mean, you, you say it's shocking and, and you know, it's it was might have been a little surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hey, I mean, Georgia was good. I mean, Georgia, Georgia only lost one game. And I know it was to Alabama. Uh, to my knowledge, it was a fairly close game. Um, but, hey, Alabama lost to Texas A&M at College Station, Texas. So. I don't know that it was that surprising to me. Uh, the betting line was uh, here. Here I am talking about betting. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't it Alabama favored by three or four points, something along those lines. So yeah, and I don't know that it was that shocking. I mean, they're both in the SEC. They're both absolute powerhouses. Um, you know, I, I'm not totally surprised that the Georgia won the game. Okay, and it's probably but, good for football. You know, it's probably good for college football that one team doesn't totally dominate every single year. It kind of makes it boring. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, I think they they lost against a good team. Yeah, so, absolutely. They have nothing to be ashamed about. Alabama had a great year. Yeah, uh, makes sense. So the next topic, and we we talked about Neil the last time, right? So, you know, six months in, I think the industry is still fresh. You know, with several remaining uncertainties, and but there's one clear takeaway, right? Is that thousands of athletes are now at least 
a little bit richer. So for example, mm -hmm. football athletes dominated the near scene, making 47% of near earnings, which is not surprising, I think. Uh, the rest of the top five were uh, women basketball with 27.3% 20, of near earnings. Then mm -hmm. you had men, men's basketball with 15.6%, and then women's volleyball, 2.4%, uh, and then uh, baseball at 1.1%. Now, an athlete could make on average $4,923 per agreement for a multi-activity endorsement, mm -hmm. and then content creation could deal more than 3000 per item, and an in-person appearance could pay out around 1700 bucks an hour, which isn't bad, I think, for a student. Mm -hmm. right. So what, what is your take on that, on the Neil? The, the, the academic side of it that I, that I listen to is they use the term guardrails. The, uh, the situation with uh, Neil was the, there was concern that the, about this evolving, like we should put up these guardrails. People mm -hmm. that want to kind of Title IX, some, some activists uh, were a little concerned about this only being for men. And we're seeing that it's really for both sexes, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. It's not just the Power Five. It's also uh, conferences out of the Power Five. The guardrails are not in place. So this is uh, the wild, wild west right now. It's mm -hmm. absolutely a fluid situation. And it is evolving as we speak daily. Uh, I'm happy for the players that are making some money. Um, some of them are students of mine. And I, I, I just want to remind everybody that they are also college students and trying to get a, a four-year education. And yeah. the professors and the athletic departments have to work with them. Um, for those people out there that were student athletes in, in college, I mean, they are forced already to be extremely good with time management. And mm -hmm. then you're going to put another layer on top of that of an opportunity to make money. Uh, which I think is wonderful. Uh, that's going to stretch their time even more, especially when they're in season. So uh, that's kind of where we are. Uh, many of these players will not go on to play professionally, that's a right. very small percentage of them. So they have this four-year window mm -hmm. to make money, and God bless them. I hope they make the most that they can. Yeah, I think that you made some, some good points. Um, so I agree with you. So so now the next big topic, uh, switching to tennis, professional tennis, right? There was a, a big saga around uh, Djokovic. Uh, as soon as he got into Australia, uh, he couldn't get into the country. Uh, uh -huh. He got put into a kind of a, I wouldn't say a house arrest, but, and then uh, he had to get his lawyer and he won, I think, won the appeal. Then I think the, the Australian government, uh, you know, canceled his visa. Then they canceled it again a second time to uh -huh. and now they're trying to deport him to Serbia. Uh -huh. uh, but I think there's a lot of stake as well because uh -huh. Djokovic is trying to make history by winning in his 21st men's single Grand Slam title, which would be the, right. the ultimate record, right, in, in uh, right. pro tennis. So right. What is your take on that? I, I think there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, first of all, Australia is having, let's just talk about the number of people that live in Australia. I've been lucky enough to go to all seven continents, including Australia. And yeah. it's a wonderful country slash continent that people couldn't have been friendlier. And mm -hmm. they're going through a lot of stuff internally where 
there's 25 million people roughly in the entire continent country of Australia. There's mm -hmm. 33 million people in California and there's 29 and a half million people in Canada. And 90% yeah. of them live within a hundred miles of the U S border. So that's the number of people we're talking. And the, the country is slightly smaller than the 48 States geographically. So it's like, and they all, most of the people live near the water, of course, just like every other country. So yes. they internally seem to be really struggling with this whole concept of the government wants to know where you are, what you're doing, you know, are you masking? Like they're, they're going over the top with trying to kill this virus immediately for their people. Mm -hmm. And they're being very restrictive who they let in very similar to what happened to Toronto Blue Jays playing in Buffalo because teams were not allowed to come back and forth to Toronto to play major league baseball games. Right. So, so that's, that's the first thing. Like you got to consider the country you're talking about and Hey, it's their country, man. We're visitors, right? That's not our home yeah. country. So when well, I'm a visitor, yeah. I play by your rules. And if your well, rules are, if your rules are, you don't come in here with proper documentation. You're not allowed in. Then you know that in advance, and he should have done the right thing and got vaccinated. And he did it. And he did it. And he did it. And I would take that one step further. There's other people we can cite that are conning the system. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't know who Aaron Rodgers thinks he is, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're asked a direct question, are you vaccinated? And then in training camp, you say, well, I'm immunized. Like, what, what are you talking about? The answer is either <laughs> yes or no. And the writer did not ask a follow-up question to him. Are you vaccinated? Yes or no? He just let it go with, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm immune. I'm inoculated. You're not inoculated. Okay. And then he went on to do what he did. You had uh, Antonio Brown make a false card, got, got a fake card that he was vaccinated. That's a problem. As much as Carson Wentz gets banged on for what happened last week in the playoffs with Jackson or the regular season with Jacksonville, he openly said, I am not vaccinated. And of course he got COVID. Yeah. The yeah quarterback from the Colts. And then yeah. a lot of people are coming down on Kyrie Irving from the Nets who's, yeah. who openly said, I, I don't believe in it. One size doesn't fit all. I'm not vaccinated. And now he only can play road games. For the Which Nets, he, they won't I mean, let him play for the Nets at home in Brooklyn. So, you know, the people that tell the truth and for whatever religious reasons you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. It's your life. It's it, it's your choice. But just tell tell everybody the truth who's around you. That's all we can ask from anybody. Yeah, and I think uh, I agree. Um, when it goes back to Djokovic, I mean, the fact that he got tested positive in mid-December right? Mid-December. Yes. Mm -hmm. And at the time, he actually had, a, he was hosting an event with a bunch of kids. He was, he had no mask, he was not wearing any mask, right? So there was a precedent. And I think that doesn't help his case either. And also goes back to Australia. I mean, the Australian people have been on a lockdown for 200 days already. And there are a lot of Australian people who are vaccinated. They can't even go back to their own country. And so they've gone through a lot. And I talked to one of a guy from Australia two days ago, and he said to me, people are very upset. But there I are also think, some people yeah. that, that say, because Djokovic is not going to play in the Australian Open tennis, I'm not going to go to the tournament because they wanted to see him. So 
you know, it's a tough situation, but I think uh, Djokovic is the number one player in the world. I think he needs to set the example and not being vaccinated. It's not giving a good, good example for his fans or for any of those kids out there, right? Absolutely. I agree 100%. But, uh, you know, look, you're in another, you're a foreigner in another country. You play by their rules. And if you don't yeah. want to play by their rules, don't show up in the country. That would be my stance. Yeah, that's that's right. So uh, these, look, sometimes uh, the athletes get very entitled, and and it's this is a serious situation. It's medical. It's you 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 just mentioned he circulated with children. Like, come on, we got to be better than that. You know, yeah. we, we, we got to be smarter than that. Like, that's just not right. And, and and you know, and Nadal Nadal was very outspoken about this. He said, look, if you don't play by the rules, you don't come. You knew he's right. And and he's from Spain, right? He, and, yeah. and and. and and he also is a foreigner when we all go. And he Australia. got COVID. He got COVID right before, right before the Australian Open tennis. He got vaccinated. I mean, I mean, come on, people are uh, three quarters of a million people died from this in the United States. Like this thing is real. Like take it seriously. Yep, I, I agree. Uh, so the, yeah, so so the next topic, right? Let's talk about the NBA for a second. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the big topic was other than the fact that Irvine came back and now he's playing, right? Like you said, even though he's not vaccinated. The, the next big topic was Clay Thompson. So Clay yes. Thompson, after his really serious injury, is now back with the Warriors. He had a decent game the first game. I think he got about 17 uh-huh. points, something uh-huh. decent game. Uh-huh. So what's your take on Thompson coming back, you know, play for the Warriors? And we know the Warriors have a really good season so far. So The, the playoff champions, I think the last time we saw him was uh, around the championship game that uh, they lost in the finals. And he had the serious injury. He hasn't played in what a year and a half. Yeah. He had signed a monster deal. Like I, something around four or five years, 185 million. He was a so-called max player. So it was a very serious injury. Uh, He was getting paid during that whole time, which is the way the contracts are structured. Uh, He is one of the the best shooters of all time. There's no question that he's one of the splash brothers. So, Uh, yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the Warriors. Um, uh, obviously, he's one of the best players in the league, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. And uh, this helps their chances to get back to the NBA Finals for sure. Yeah, I mean, he just loves the game. I think that, right, we saw videos of him just on the sideline, just being very and, emotional and, because he just loved the game. Oh, yeah, I saw the introductions and the fan went, fans went crazy. I mean, yeah, he's won championships there. So, People forget his dad was a great player, too. I saw his dad play. His dad was uh, Michael Thompson, and he Mm -hmm. played for the Portland Trailblazers in the late 70s, early 80s. He went to the University of Minnesota, but he was more of a center, a much, much bigger player than his dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, His dad was a much bigger player than he is. But, uh, oh, yeah, he's he's one of the greatest, and he's obviously a first-time Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's a likable guy. It's hard, hard not yeah. to like Dave Thompson, honestly. So yes, he has uh, a nice personality and uh, he's a great teammate. Yeah. Uh, now let's talk about the NFL, right? So in the NFL uh, last weekend, there was a big comeback, right, from the 49ers. Mm-hmm. But the biggest comeback was probably from the Steelers. Mm-hmm. The Steelers that were back in the playoffs, and on mm-hmm. the other hand, the Colts kind of choked, right? Yes. So, uh, what was your take on what happened last weekend? I mean, the Steelers needed like uh, here in Pittsburgh, they needed like what seven things to happen, six things to happen, and they all happened, <laughs> and and that, that was amazing. So I'm very happy for them, and the city's excited. And now, as uh, there's seven teams in the AFC, there's seven teams in the 
AFC, AFC and NFC, they get to make the playoffs. You get one, uh, one team gets a bye, the Titans yeah. uh, and the Green Bay Packers. And then seven goes to two, six, six goes to three, and five goes to four. So we got some great matchups this weekend. Mm-hmm. Last Sunday was one of the most exciting weekends in NFL history. Yeah, everybody was glued to their TV set uh, to watch these different games, and it couldn't have played out better for the NBA for the NFL uh, league office. Yeah, so that's exciting. And um, one of the ironic parts was that people talk about when there was that overtime game between the Chargers and the Raiders. If they had played to a tie, they both would have made the playoffs and pushed the Steelers out because the Steelers had a had a tie and. And those two teams must have held the tiebreaker. And then mm-hmm. what happened was uh, they didn't. The uh, the Raiders won. So then the Chargers got eliminated. Wow. So it was uh, very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you're an NFL fan, you're going crazy if you are a Colts fan right now. Well, there um, was a lot of Steeler fans here saying if they tie, then it's a comp- conspiracy theory. But, uh, it was, uh, but, but luckily they didn't tie and uh, they did the right thing and they played it out. And one of them yeah. won. So the Raiders That's are in it. and the Steelers are in. That's right. Yeah. So, hey, next topic. Uh, I know, you know, you're, you're a fan of the MLB. We mm-hmm. talked about the MLB lockout the last time. So what, what's your take on what's going on right now? Well, they had a meeting and uh, between the two sides just recently, a day or two ago. And the owners presented a uh, proposal. And uh, everything was very amiable and, and, and encouraging and positive dialect. But the term I heard was that the, uh, the players were underwhelmed by the offer. I so th- there's, there's, I think there is some common ground here. And there's some things that are definitely, uh, they're far apart on. And mm-hmm. on a positive note, I say, I think they're both on, on, on the same page as far as the designated hitter becoming part of the National League. So mm-hmm. we don't have this constant back and forth of is there a DH, is there not? I think there's some agreement that it is unfair to players that are really ready to play in the major leagues, that both the player thinks they should be at the major league level and the teams want to bring them up because they're the best. And uh, Bryant with the Cubs was a perfect example of that uh, probably five, six years ago where he, he tore it up in training camp with the Cubs. And then yet they they suppressed his days of service and they didn't bring him up till June so that he would not become uh, arbitration eligible until a, a year late, uh, an extra year. And they're going to work past this called something called a super two, meaning mm-hmm. usually it's you have to have three years of service and the minimum wage is five. $7,500. And that's another issue. The players would like to see that go up to obviously a million, but that's not going to happen. Even 800,000 minimum, probably not going to happen, yeah. but uh, they do hope to get, they, they bump that up uh, probably around to uh, six and a quarter, six fifty. The players union would love to see that to be a higher number. And that's an issue right now. I don't think we'll ever see a floor. The owners will not have a floor. Uh, the players would love to have a floor, meaning the Pirates have to spend six hundred, sixty million, seventy million, eighty million, but the owners will, the players will not allow there to be a salary cap, where the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Angels, 
the Yankees will be capped at how much they can spend. Now, there's a luxury cap where you have to pay some money in if you go over a certain hundred thousand in salary per year, but yeah. not a hard not a hard cap per se. So I understand. I, that's kind of where they are right now as far as what I see. Uh, arbitration always an issue. You know, that's when the player and his his agent has one side, the team has the other. I don't see that going away anytime soon. Years four, five, and six will be continue to be arbitration, and then the players will not allow them to move up the the years of service. Like at at the sixth year completion of the sixth year, we are absolutely a free agent. The players will not sign anything where they cannot become a free agent after year six. So they want to contain that free agency where they can really go on the open market and make big time money, you know, the 300 million plus deals that we're seeing that are being passed around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, look, the the night, last topic of the day, I want to talk about soccer. There were, so the FIFA president uh, planned to host a, walk-up, a soccer walk-up every two years, uh-huh. but they're facing opposition from the UEFA, CONCACAF, the Premier League, La Liga, and other leagues. Right. Uh, and I think the biggest, the, one of the main reasons, because... Uh, there's already a European soccer championship every two years, every two years already. Right. And on top of that, every year we've got the Champions League, which is one of the biggest soccer competitions in Europe. Yes. So just like with basketball and the NBA, when they send their players to play in the Olympics, I mean, the clubs are the ones paying the players, right? For right. most of them. Yes. So having a walk-up every two years, you know, clubs could be in a situation where the guy is just getting injured. And, you know, when he goes back and play for the club, he can't play. So there's a high risk of injury, right, for many of those players if you had a, a walk-up every two years, right? That's my take. When you say the term walk-up, can you explain that to me? The walk-up is uh, all the best soccer clubs – so sorry, all the best soccer teams, France, Argentina, Brazil, they go play against each other in a walk-up. It's a, it's a oh, walk right, tournament. Right, right, right. Yeah. When they get so, to represent their country and not just yes. the team they play for, which country, we all yep. we all – are patriotic, I think, to a certain extent. We love playing for our, our hometown, our home country. Uh, the same thing just happened in, in, in hockey. Like a lot of the players, the Russian yeah. players, the Canadian players, they like to play for their country in the Olympics. When they look back at their careers, they want to say, hey, I want a gold medal in the Olympics too, even though I played in the NHL. Yeah. The NHL doesn't make any money off of that. Yeah. And with COVID and everything, I think they were going – back to play in February in Beijing. Beijing can do both Summer Olympics and Winter Olympics, it seems like. And but they told they already decided they're not going to send their players to the Olympics. Well, and the players' union agreed. The players' union said, we understand. With the oh, COVID yeah. situation, remember they went on lockdown where they didn't play for like 10 days in early January and late December. So they're yeah. like, we understand, and we're willing to, to give that up this time. They're very disappointed because some of them will never get to play. You know, in four years, they're not if you're 36 years old, four years from now, you might not make the Canadian team or the Russian team. I'm thinking of Malkin and uh, Ovechkin in particular. They might not make the Russian team in four years. So this -hmm. was their last chance to kind of get get another gold medal. So that's that's very similar to what you're, you're talking about. Um, and usually at the end of the day, the money will drive the, will drive the bus, right? I mean, if you want to get paid these millions and millions of dollars to play, then you might have to f- forego that representing yeah. your country. And, and, and it's something that the players are very passionate about. And I understand both sides of that. Yeah, no, that, 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 those are good points. So 
look, we we're at the end of the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Always, always my pleasure, Julian. Always my pleasure. All right. Well, thank you. Have a good day. Stay well. Thank you. Bye-bye.